Good morning. Welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Tyson Bibb, and a special warm welcome to any guests or visitors with us this morning, either here on the live stream. Please know you're always very welcome here at Trinity Lutheran Church. <clears throat> Pardon me. We have great joy as we can continue through the season of Epiphany on this third Sunday after the Epiphany as we see the Word of God in its full power and revealing Jesus' glory as our Savior. We see a, a couple of big miracles this day, first in the Old Testament with the healing of Naaman the leper, and then also the healing of the centurion's servant in the Gospel lesson. I'll turn your attention to the Focus on Christ section that's found on the inside of the back cover of your bulletin for a summary of today's readings. The gospel of Christ is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Gentile. Even in the Old Testament, the Gentiles were beneficiaries of God's saving power. Though unimpressed at first with the word of God, a Syrian commander is persuaded to receive that word, and in the water he is cleansed and brought to faith in the God of Israel. Evil is overcome by good. So also in the New Testament, a Roman centurion demonstrates great and humble faith in the Lord. All he needs is the word of Christ, for he trusts that Jesus' word of healing has authority to accomplish what it says, and indeed it does. The centurion's faith is praised by our Lord above that of any Israelite, for the last shall be first, and the first last. Apart from faith in Christ, there is no salvation, not even for a Jew, but only weeping and gnashing of teeth. We also rejoice this day to receive our Lord's body and blood and the sacrament of the altar. And therefore, in accordance with his word, we ask that all those communing with us this day share our confession of the faith. Uh, and by doing so, then be members of either the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, or one of our sister congregations. So we do uh, have great joy then to receive that gift. And if you have any questions about that practice of closed communion, I would love to speak with you about that. Our service this day is Divine Service Setting 4. As it begins on page 203, we now sing the first hymn. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, mercifully look upon our infirmities and stretch forth the hand of your majesty to heal and defend us. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Old Testament reading for the third Sunday after the Epiphany is from 2 Kings, chapter 5. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and in high favor, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. <clears throat> now the Syrians, on one of their raids, had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel, and she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, Would that my lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria. He would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went in and told his lord, Thus and so spoke the girl from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he went, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent to you Naaman my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. And when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and make alive, that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Only consider and see how he is seeking a quarrel with me. 
But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he said to the king, he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come now to me, that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots, and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean. But Naaman was angry and went away, saying, Behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Are not Abana and Farpar the rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. But his servants came near and said to him, My father, it is a great word that the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Then he returned to the man of God, he and all his company. And he came and stood before him. And he said, behold, I know that there is no God in all the earth, but in Israel. This is the word of the Lord. The epistle is from Romans chapter 1. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I want to know, brothers, that I have often I want you to know, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish, so I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 8th chapter. When Jesus came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, say that you, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. When he entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, Truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. 
I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion, Jesus said, Go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. This is the gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Please be seated. Our sermon text this day is, well, really, both the Old Testament and the Gospel readings, as we hear of two great miracles. Well, I ask you the question this morning, brothers and sisters in Christ, how mighty is the Word of God? An answer to that question is given in the first three verses of Holy Scripture. We're told God created the heavens and the earth and that with his word, let there be, so it was. All things were created by the power of God's spoken word. All things were created good, indeed, very good. In the scripture lessons before us today, we're confronted with the power of God's word. As part of the season of Epiphany, we see Christ's glory revealed and made manifest in his powerful word, which creates, recreates, and heals. This is seen in the Old Testament lesson with Naaman, and in the Gospel lesson with the healing of the leper and the servant of the centurion. So it is that God's word is not just for Israel, but indeed for all people. First, we'll take a look at Naaman. Now, Naaman, as we're told, he was a commander of the army of the king of Syria, which was a world power at the time. He was a great and mighty man and with his master and highly favored because, as we're told, the Lord had given military victory to Syria by Naaman. He was a mighty man of valor, having great strength and ability, but he was a leper. In the Bible, leprosy can mean more than one kind of skin disease, but nevertheless, we know Naaman's plight. Despite all his strength and honor, he suffered with a chronic skin disease. Well, according to the law of Moses, Naaman is doubly unclean. First, he is a Gentile, and second, he is a leper. Upon learning from an Israelite slave girl that God's prophet was in Israel and that God's prophet would cure Naaman, the king of Syria sends Naaman to be healed, informing the king of Israel, properly the king of Samaria, by way of a letter. Now imagine being the king of Israel and reading the following. When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent to you Naaman, my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. Well, understandably, the king is upset. He is also correct when he says that it is God who kills and makes alive. However, he speaks these words in a combination of anger and despair, believing that this is Syria's way of picking a fight with Israel. When Elisha the prophet hears of the king's response, he speaks a word of rebuke to the king that is also a word of comfort to Naaman. He says, why have you torn your clothes? Let him, that is, let Naaman come now to me, that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. So then, Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. Now the scene is all set, right? So I'll ask you, what do you expect to happen next? I mean, Naaman is a, a big, important guy who's come with a big, important request. Well, having heard the text already, we know exactly what Naaman was expecting and even hoping for, because he says, Behold, I thought that he would surely come out and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. In other words, folks, Naaman was looking for a spiritual show. 
Break out the fog machines and the laser lights, right? Get that praise band going with some music to psych up the crowd. Can't you just hear the, the band leader singing something like, show me your glory, right? You got that guitar riff going, dun, 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 dun. here comes the glory of God. See folks, Naaman wanted a show. He wanted a spiritual spectacle. Now he had received from God something far better, but he didn't believe the word of God spoken to him, at least not at first. Like so many other pagan forms of worship common both then and also now, Naaman, he wanted a big spiritual show because he thought that healing could only come through some kind of over-the-top ecstatic spiritual experience. Something that the prophet had to perform in order to make the deity show up and do what was asked of them. Think of the false prophets of Baal during their showdown with Elijah and the manic behavior that we see from them. Well, instead, Naaman received the sure and certain word of the one true God, a promise of healing from the living God himself. By way of Elisha's messenger, Naaman was told, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored and you shall be clean. Well, in the midst of his rage at hearing this, Naaman says, are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? Well, in another display of his unbelief, Naaman thinks that his healing must somehow depend and hinge on the quality and the beauty of the waters that he washes in. Now, by comparison, being told to wash in the River Jordan versus the waters of Damascus, it is, it is kind of like being told to go wash in Wakandah Creek versus the waters of Excelsior Springs. But again, Naaman was given something far better, the sure, certain, mighty word of God. It is Naaman's servants who hear the great promise which was spoken, and they told him, My father, it is a great word that the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, Wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan according to the word of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Then he returned to the man of God, he and all his company, and he came and stood before him, and he said, Behold, I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. Thus the Lord healed Naaman in body and in soul. The power was not in the water, or the power was, yeah, the power was not in the water, but in the word of God. God connected his promise to the water, and Naaman was cleansed of his leprosy and of his unbelief. We are reminded of the question in the small catechism regarding baptism. How can water do such great things? As Naaman found out, certainly not just water, but the word of God in and with the water did these things. May God protect us all from unbelief which scoffs at his word, supposing that we or the world know better. God's word does precisely what it says it does. Indeed, in the waters of baptism, God's children have been dipped and washed in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You have been cleansed and restored as a child of God, joined to Christ's death and resurrection. God be praised. In that washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, you were made new and you were given a new identity. God laid claim of you, body and soul. You belong to him. You're his treasured possession. You're a child of God. In baptism... You were cleansed of the leprosy of sin and of unbelief. Again, God be praised. So, thinking back to that question, how mighty is the word of God, let's look at the gospel reading for an answer. 
See, that second witness today, it comes from the Gospel of Matthew. And Jesus, he had just completed the Sermon on the Mount. The people had heard Christ's authoritative teaching. Now they would see his authoritative word work miracles. When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper, having come, was kneeling down, worshiping him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you are able to make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Now the unclean nature of this leper does not stop Jesus from touching him. Jesus created this man. Through the preaching of his word, Jesus gave this man faith. And what does faith in Christ do? It seeks out Christ and his gifts. The leprous believer was kneeling in worship at Jesus' feet and asking in faith for something that only Jesus could give. By the preaching of his word, Christ had already cleansed this man's soul. Now the man desires the healing of his body. And Christ most assuredly is able and willing. The man was healed, and so are you. In baptism, the Lord laid hold of your sinful, leprous body and cleansed you. He washed your sin away with his blood, joining you to his cross and resurrection. He claimed you body and soul as his own beloved child. Therefore, you and all of God's baptized people... You belong to him, body and soul. You are joined to Jesus, body and soul. How did he accomplish this? His word of promise joined to water. In this healing, we see, as with Naaman, that God desires to save sinners both in body and soul. It's not just your soul that matters, but also the body which the Lord has created and given to you. All this he accomplishes with his word. Indeed, as St. John tells us, the word became flesh and dwelt, that is, tabernacled among us. Jesus took on our flesh. That's what the incarnation is. He came to save us in the flesh in order to take us to himself in the flesh for all eternity. Therefore, he is born as one of us. He is baptized in the place of sinners, and then he carried that sin to the cross to suffer God's wrath and punishment for all sin, for all sinners in his flesh. Christ won salvation for us on the cross where he suffered and died. And his body was then laid in a tomb where he was raised in glory on the third day. Therefore, you who have been joined to Christ's death and resurrection, you've already died and risen with Christ. As St. Paul teaches us in Romans 6, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Folks, your body matters to Jesus. Your soul matters to Jesus. In the beginning, Christ, through whom all things were created, spoke into being the very biological process by which you were made. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. You are all creations of God, knit together in the womb of your mother. You are not accidents. You're not just some lump of cells that happen to end up being a human being. You see, even if the timing of your conception and birth didn't coincide with the desires of your parents, you're not an accident. 
Jesus created you, body and soul, and he has saved you, body and soul. Therefore, therefore, all lives matter because all have been created by God in the image of God. So also every human being who has ever lived is one for whom Christ has died. See, the world would have us believe that the body is nothing. That it's just some canister for your soul that can be disposed of in whichever way you see fit at the end of your earthly life. Jesus took on flesh to redeem you, to buy you back, to save you both in body and soul. And the bodies that we bury in the ground are baptized by the Lord. And he will raise them on the last day and they will go with him in glory into paradise everlasting. So then I'll ask you, how mighty is the word of God? Well, the third and final witness from Scripture today is the centurion's servant. Know that reading through this account, you know, it kind of leaves you almost more impressed with the centurion's faith than with the healing of the paralyzed servant. The truth is that both miracles, the faith of the centurion and the healing of a servant, both of these are born out of the word of God. Though we're not told the circumstances, at some point the centurion has heard the gospel of Christ and he believes in him. By the power of the Spirit, this man had faith in Christ. After the clear, faithful, and matter-of-fact witness of the centurion, even Jesus in his humanity marveled, and he said to those who followed him, Truly, I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. Therefore, as with the leper who knelt at Jesus' feet, this man came to Jesus asking for something that only he could work, miraculous healing. Faith clings to Jesus and his word. Faith clings to Jesus, his gifts, and his promises. Therefore, the centurion confesses, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. Not only is his confession great, but you see, the centurion also gives us an example of praying and interceding for others. What this life of faith in Christ is, what it is to walk in newness of faith, as St. Paul says. What do we do with the wants, needs, and sufferings of our loved ones? We bring them to Jesus. What do we do with our own wants, needs, and sufferings? We bring them to Christ Jesus. What do we do with this fallen world? We bring it to Christ Jesus in prayer. He who suffered in body and soul for us on the cross is able and willing to hear our prayers. And we have his promise that he does. He gives peace, consolation, and healing according to his will. Now, sometimes the Lord does grant physical healing for our ailments, and when this happens, God be praised. However, sometimes the Lord, in his wisdom, he wills that the suffering remains. And he instead, he comforts our hearts and minds with the assurance that our suffering is not in vain, and that he is with us always, even to the end of the age. You see, as Christians, our suffering has meaning because of the one who suffered in body and soul to save us in body and soul on the cross. He is our promise of forgiveness and life in this world and the next. He alone is our hope. You see, in Christ's suffering, death, and resurrection, we see that our suffering and death, they have meaning. They're leading somewhere. There is a telos, a fulfillment to this, as we will one day be with Christ in the resurrection of all flesh in paradise everlasting. See, with his death, Christ defeated death. Death does not get the last word. Jesus does. And as surely as Christ is risen from the dead, so we too shall rise, all who believe in him. Yes, this cup of suffering that we drink in this world, it's bitter. However, Jesus has overcome the world by his death and resurrection. And all of our enemies, sin, death, and Satan, they are defeated by the might, power, and love of Christ, who is the word made flesh. Regarding our suffering as God's people, the psalmist has written, 
Remember your word to your servant, in which you have made me hope. This is my comfort in my affliction, that your promise gives me life. Indeed, it is the promised one who has given life, as he has given up his life on the cross and taken it up again on the third day. You see, the servants of God hope in the word of God. Our comfort in affliction is that God's promise gives life. And through life and death, good and ill, joy and suffering, we cling to the sure and certain promises of Christ Jesus, who is the Word made flesh. Dear saints, by His mighty Word, the Lord, He has saved you. With His mighty Word, He upholds you each and every day. Like Naaman, the leper, and the centurion, we had nothing to bring to Jesus except our sin and our unworthiness. And in mercy, Christ Jesus came to us. He took on our flesh and saved us through his crucifixion and resurrection. And now all of those blessings and benefits of Christ's living, dying, and rising, they are given to you in his word, in baptism, in the holy absolution, and in his supper. All you who are weary and troubled by your many sins, receive what Christ has for you this day. We, like the leper, we crawl on our hands and knees to Jesus and we cry out, Lord, if you are willing, you are able to make me clean. And in love and compassion, your Lord says to you, I am willing, be cleansed. Forgiveness, cleansing, peace, and comfort, these are all yours in his word of absolution and in his feast of grace and peace. With his mighty word, Christ Christ heals you, comforts you, enlivens you, and he sends you forth to love and serve your neighbors. And in our loving and serving of our neighbors, we also confess We confess his mighty word to this sin-corrupted and sin-darkened world, bringing to them the light of Christ, telling people of the love of God, who has created all and redeemed all, and with the blood of his Son, saved us all. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, watch and guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let us pray for the whole Church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. The heavens proclaim your righteousness, O Most High, and in Christ all people see your glory. Let the many coastlands be glad, let false gods be abandoned, and let Christ Jesus alone be worshipped and sought. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. O Lord, you have spoken your great word by your prophets and apostles. Do not let us despise it, but in spite of all appearances, gladly receive its wisdom and promises, doing as Christ commands. Lord, in your mercy. We thank you, dear Father, for the gift of holy baptism, by which you heal the corruption of our sinful nature and save us by Christ's power. By your great word and name, plain water becomes a life-giving stream. Do not let us forget our baptism, nor withhold it from our children, but treasure it as Christ's trustworthy promise thus arising daily to newborn life, cleansed by your grace. Lord, in your mercy. Lord of life, we give you thanks this day for the birth of Tucker Ham. We pray that you would ever surround him with your grace and mercy and in your timing bring him to the holy washing of baptism, wherein you will claim him as your beloved child. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, your Son alone is judge of the earth who decides all matters in equity and righteousness. Let us entrust ourselves to Christ and likewise delight in the fear of the Lord. Let us not put our trust in princes and leaders of this world who must judge by what they see and hear. We pray for their health and wisdom and ask that we may honor them for the sake of conscience before you. Lord, in your mercy. Lord of life and God of our salvation, 
We pray that you would bring an end to the atrocity of abortion. We pray that you would be with all women expecting children and all of their unborn children, that you would surround them with your love and mercy, and that you would bring them to a healthy birth, and that you would bring, O Lord, an end to to the needless murder that goes on around us. Fill us all with an awe and reverence of your creative power, the gift of life. Help us to ever treasure it and pray for your peace. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, if you will, you can make us clean and heal every disease. You have stretched out your hand in Christ Jesus to give eternal salvation. Be pleased also to stretch out your hand to relieve those in need, especially Bob Rash, Ron Gibson, and Chuck Lichty. Grant also, O Lord, your peace to those who are shut in, including Erlene Lakey, Lisa Rash, and Ted Phillips. Lord, in your mercy, forgive our sins and bind us together in holy communion, Lord that we may live in harmony with one another and as far as it depends on us, live peaceably with all. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, Heavenly Father, do not throw us into the outer darkness of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Strengthen and preserve our faith in Christ Jesus, our only mediator, by whom we are also welcome to recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as true Israelites. When our last hour comes, welcome us as brothers and sisters of Christ, baptized into his name, and therefore as sons of your kingdom by grace. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Well, once again, good morning and welcome on this slightly warmer uh, winter day that we're having here. It's a, a full week ahead of us here at Trinity Lutheran Church. Of course, we have Sunday school and Bible study immediately following worship. Uh, Tomorrow evening, our Board of Elders will meet at 7 p.m., and then this Tuesday, uh, Theology on Tap picks up once again as the women will meet at 7 p.m. Wednesday, 3.30, we have our midweek school and confirmation, followed by workout class at 6 p.m. in the auditorium, and then Thursday, the men will meet for Theology on Tap going forward with that. Uh, Just to let you know, there are some items available in the uh, auditorium. Uh, These were from the storage room. They're things that need a new home. Please stop by as you have time and take a look. There's a brief listing of some of what's available there in the bulletin. If you have any questions about that, please talk to Bonnie. Uh, She's been helping us out to that end. Also, this next Sunday, uh, Shane Smithson, you remember he was going to come and give a presentation. That's still happening. That will happen next Sunday. Uh, Of course, we had to reschedule that from earlier in the month with uh, some health issues, but now everybody is uh, is healthy and good. He's going to come and join us next Sunday. Also, before worship next Sunday, our midweek school children will be uh, uh, giving a musical offering. They'll be singing, um, and uh, we'll, we'll rejoice in that. Anything else that I may have missed, anything that didn't make it into the bulletin this week? All right. Well, with that, then, go in God's peace uh, with great joy, trusting in his mighty word, which has saved you and claimed you as his own, and will preserve you by his spirit until that last day. I'll greet you at the door.